Okay, folks, good to see you. There, if you do not have a lesson, there's some back there on the table. And remind me when I get through, I have printed those for next week as well. And then next week we'll get our new books for for the three months that are uh, we're approaching. So we we will have all of that for next week. Today we're looking uh, in at, on page one hundred. Uh, nine, I've got to squint my eyes to see it, but if you have your book, we're on page 109, Serve Even When Discouraged. If you remember last week's lesson, hey, you folks joining us by YouTube today or whatever day of the week you might be, thank you for joining in with us. Today we're going to be uh, looking at the subject matter, Serve Even When Discouraged. And if you have your Bible handy, 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we are focusing today. Last week, we looked at Elijah, and if you remember, that's what this series has been on for the last four or five weeks. We looked at the subject of serving God with loyalty. Now, uh, just a little reflection here, okay? Uh, Elijah hadn't rained for three and a half years. He prayed to God, God, don't let it rain. Maybe people will turn their hearts back to you. Well, it didn't rain for three and a half years. Uh, there, was a, uh, there was a time in which they would go up uh, on top of Mount Carmel, and uh, the prophets of Baal uh, would be there, and Elijah would be there to represent God. And uh, he let them go first. He said, the God that answers by fire, He is uh, the Lord. Well... Uh, as you and I know, false gods can't answer by fire, and Baal is not uh, the true God. So, when the prophets of Baal could not produce fire uh, through their God, then Elijah would stand up and he would uh, pour water, or have water poured all on the sacrifice, even around the altar. Well, he cried out to God, and God answered well, uh, that's where that subject matter came in last week there about serving with loyalty. Now, we know, and we're going to see in the lesson today, that Elijah wasn't the only man like he thought he was. He thought he was the only one who had stayed faithful. And God said, hey, wait a minute, let me tell you something. And we discover, as we know, there are many people who are still faithful and loyal to God. So that's where we're going today. And we're going to find that in 1 Kings chapter 19, if you'll follow along with us. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you so much. Lord, it's a precious time when we can come together with our friends, with our church family. And Lord, we can come together to open the Word, to be encouraged. I pray, Lord, that you'll give us uh, a, a, a spark again of renewing our faith, strengthening, strengthening us, Lord, for the days ahead. We pray for those that we have listed. And Lord, we also know of many, many more today that we need to be praying for, and we will diligently do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as always, the writer of the lesson gives an introduction. In uh, the introduction there is talking about an Australian golfer, Jason Day, who won the Players' Championship uh, at the stadium course 
at Sawgrass in Ponte Vedra. He won that in 2016. The writer goes on to say, once he clinched the number one spot, Jason Day floundered, simply meaning he never won again in 16 or 17 or 2018, and his explanation was, I got burned out being number one. It's easy to get burned out in a position that you're in the spotlight. It can be very demanding at times. Well, Elijah probably did not recognize what was happening, but what we learned there is that Elijah, just like many since, uh, and many who will follow, uh, Elijah literally got what we call burned out. He got worn out for a spell, and uh, he needed again a fresh infusion of grace and peace from the Lord. Look at it, if you would, beginning in verse 1 of 1 Kings 19. Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, May the gods punish me and do so severely if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there, but he went a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I've had, I have had enough, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. As I was reading this, I wrote this right in the margin of my book. I said, The distance from the top to the bottom may be far, but it is likewise fast. Simply meaning that we can be on cloud... You used to say we're on cloud nine. We can be on the cloud today, but we can be in the valley tomorrow. We have to be very careful. You know, it's easy, is it not, to lose that cutting edge. And now we find that the, that the great event that had happened on Mount Carmel, the Scripture reminds us that the king, Ahab, would go home and tell his wife, Jezebel, what had happened to all of the prophets of Baal. And immediately that one message that she gave would send Elijah in a tailspin. If you're looking at your notes now, uh, page 111, Elijah was at the pinnacle of his prophetic ministry. That simply means he is at the best of the days. Simply meaning uh, he was on top. There was none uh, who, was, who was not uh, uh, or who was greater, let me say at this moment. Elijah stood unwavering in his faith, fearless against an overwhelming majority, even defying the wicked king and queen. Now something that uh, reminds me in verse 1 that I'd never really taken uh, into consideration here, and that is it seems as if Jezebel was not on top of the mountain at the showdown, was she? Why do I say that? Because it says now that uh, Ahab told Jezebel to me she didn't know what all happened up there. But boy, upon learning what happened up there, 
her blood boiled, did it not? She got in a tizzy, if you could say that. Uh, and now, all that happened on top of the mount before Elijah gets consumed by these few words that Jezebel gives. You know, sometimes our strongest battles are after our greatest victories. Have you ever had God use you in a great way and it seems like that nothing went right for a few days after that? And it's possible that we get our eyes off the Master. I'm not saying that's the case in all times. Uh, but what we do learn from that is that there's nobody who has, who, who has been immunized from discouragement. If you've never been discouraged, praise the, the Lord. But on the other hand, if you have been discouraged, you sure know how to maybe uh, look at others who haven't or who are, let me say. Now again, this great victory at Mount Carmel that we studied about last week, Elijah led the slaughter of the 450 prophets of Baal, uh, attempting to rid the land of the, of the uh, idol's influence. Now as we see all of that come to a close, uh, God sent that rain that we talked about last week. You remember? Hadn't rained in three and a half years. The rain comes. Everything almost uh, is put out to script, is it not? Like uh, Elijah would have uh, called upon for that. Yet, we remember, and the writer says it, no one is invincible. Elijah withstood opposition, rejection, danger. But now this woman, Jezebel, uh, just tells her husband, send this message to Elijah, and may the gods punish me, and do it severely, if tomorrow this time you are not like one of these prophets. other words, you're going to be a dead man by tomorrow this time. Now, I don't know about you. That's pretty hard words to, pretty hard words to swallow, isn't it? You know, uh, I'm not saying there's anybody ever been like Jezebel. She, she got her name well, did she not? Matter of fact, I've never known of anybody else named that, have y'all? I've heard a lot of people call that, though. Have you? You mean it's Jezebel. Uh, we shouldn't say that, but anyway, we see that her reputation was what Jezebel said was going to happen. And the scripture there gives us that, that uh, view, does it not? On page 112, uh, the writer talks about Jezebel's threat, sent the prophet there to, uh, or in fear and despair. And uh, he, he got out of Dodge, I call it. He got out of town. Apparently, Israel's number one prophet was quitting his ministry. You know what, I don't have recent statistics, but did you know there's, there's men of God that's quitting every day because of discouragement? And it's not always something somebody said or something somebody did. It's just simply because that they're at a position in their life, or might I say it could be me as well, that we come to a place in our life that we have, we have just lost the joy and the enthusiasm and, and the will to just uh, produce uh, even another day. The sudden change in Elijah's demeanor 
is as puzzling as it was dramatic. Danger wasn't new to Elijah. He had saw many things in his life, had he not. Miraculous victories there. Now we see that he is moving. Let me go back and read those verses there. It said in verse 3, Then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. You remember the verse, is it not uh, Paul telling Timothy, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we usually can uh, trace fear all the way back, can't we? To somewhere where Satan got involved, whether it was through a friend or through a family member, or whether it might have been he did not even choose to work through somebody. It was just a thought that entered our minds or our heads there. Well, Elijah says here that he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he sits down under a broom tree and he prays that he might die. Now, folks, the alarming thing about this is how quickly it happened. And you say, well, why why is that alarming? Well, because we usually don't see the details as we're reading that here. Matter of fact, usually people don't come up to us and tell us that they're quitting. Sometimes just drop out, do they not? You know, it happens to our Sunday school groups. It happens to the worship uh, crowd. It happens to the pastors of the groups. It happens to the musicians. And yet we try to rephrase it in many different ways. But what has happened is we have just burned out. And that's the best explanation I could give. I remember being in Bible college in about 1989, if I remember correctly. Might have been just before 89. But we had, a, we had a class, and I don't remember the title of the class, but I remember, I remember the book, and the book was on burnout. And you say, pastors having a class on burnout, yeah. Uh, I don't even remember the author of the book. It's in my office, I'm sure, on the shelf there. But the reality as we uh, had to read that book and report on that book, the reality was, a, it, was just, uh, it was encouraging but yet discouraging because uh, that cycle of what that book showed us or showed me was that literally that guy that wrote the book seemed like he knew my life because of the various stages that he described leading a person or uh, showing how a person can get to this place in their life. Well, Elijah said, I've had enough, Lord, take my life. Uh, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he just fell off to sleep. Sometimes, you know, we would go to sleep crying possibly because as, as we see this man, Elijah, he was extremely troubled in his life. Now, Who can get discouraged in life? Who does this happen to, thinking with you today? Can happen to anybody, can it? You know, you wives probably. There's been times you want to just throw your hands up and quit, didn't you? The man wanted to throw his hands up and quit. Well, it ain't worth it no more. To the old farmers, can you imagine how many nights they'd go home and uh, take their old dusty pants off and get their old bath at the washstand and uh, j- just probably weep themselves to sleep. Imagine, folks, 
that this is happening to the prophet that the day before had stood up against hundreds of the false prophets of the God of Baal. Well, let's look at the next passages in verse 11 of the same chapter now. If you're following along with us, we skip a few verses, but we're going down to verse 11 of the same chapter. It said, Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. At that moment the Lord passed by. A great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. After the fire there was a still excuse me, after the fire there was a voice, a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came out to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? I've been very zealous for the Lord God of armies, he replied. But the Israelites have abandoned your covenant, torn down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they're looking for me to take my life. Now, as I was reading and preparing—excuse me—in preparing this this week, uh, I had my highlighter, and I was just highlighting those things, you know, in the succession or the progression of them. The great mighty wind. Elijah knew all about wind, did he not? Then there was an earthquake. Wow, that's probably something he might have saw before or endured before. And then there was a fire. Boy, he could tell you something about fire, couldn't he? He could tell you that because God answered by fire when He called out the Lord to do that. But He said after the fire there was a voice. Just something. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thinking it was a quiet voice. You know, sometimes I've probably thought that, hey, God always talks loud and clear. And I'm not saying that He doesn't, but sometimes He does what He did with Elijah. Just that still, small voice. Folks, as we stop and think about that, the writer gives us some thoughts on the other page, page 113. And he talks about hearing God's voice. And he gives us a little exercise there, uh, if we would participate in it. And he said, people hear God's voice in many ways. He said, use the space below to record what God has spoken to you through the following methods. And he said, you can choose two or three. To be honest with you, I couldn't choose two or three. And the reason is because it seemed like that all of them applied. You know, when you go out on the street or you go in someone's home and sit down and you say, hey, I talked to the Lord today. Somebody's probably going to want to get you out rather quickly because they don't understand the concept of talking with the Lord or the Lord talking with us. Now the writer gives these thoughts there that the Lord uh, speaks through the Bible. Absolutely, does He not? You know, you're reading that passage uh, uh, in your daily Bible reading and immediately is, it is as clear as if the Lord was standing in front of you. He speaks through those words. He also speaks to us through prayer, doesn't He? He speaks to us through worship. I think that's one of the reasons Hebrews 4 
would encourage us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why? Because the Lord speaks to us in our times of worship. He speaks to us through other people, doesn't He? Other Christians. And He can speak to us through non-believers. But He really will speak to us through other believers. He speaks to us through sermons and podcasts. And, you know, podcast is a big fancy word for what we used to know is speak through the radio. However, these guys, they, they have uh, a unique way of doing their podcast. I'm not into all that. Uh, but also speak to us through circumstances. Think about a circumstance maybe in your life that God has spoken to you through. And I'm talking about people uh, listening by YouTube as well. One of uh, the great studies of years ago in the la- uh, maybe middle to late 90s, Henry Blackaby wrote that great study, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And he used four of these points, if I remember. Uh, he said that God speaks to us uh, through His Word, through prayer, uh, through circumstances, and He speaks to us as well through other Christians. And you know, I've, I've put that to a test sometimes when I would think that I've heard from the Lord and I would put that uh, in application in my life. And in, in all four of those areas, I could see where God would verify what I was thinking I had heard from Him. He would use every one of those sources. It is nothing, or let me say this, there is nothing that can compare with knowing that we have heard from God in a particular matter. Elijah now finds himself in a dark place. I'm looking on page 114 at the writer's notes. He finds himself in a dark place as he's running now from Jezebel in the cave of uh, Mount Horeb, God met him, and this is where this, uh, these, this voice comes uh, there. Uh, when God whispered, though, to Elijah and asked him why he was there, the prophet responded with a litany of everything that was wrong. This is what mostly was concerning to him. I've been serving you with everything I've got, but I'm the only one. No one else cares. Now, friend, that is really true. If you find someone who is really down, they're out. They might be down and out. You know, if they go to their medical doctor, you know the first thing he's going to say? You're depressed. Now, I'm not saying I agree with the MD because first thing you're going to do is put a pill at you. And I'm not saying that there might be a time where you need something mild to get you through a circumstance. But friend, let's just admit, there's not always a medical explanation for why we are where we are. Because Elijah, to my knowledge, didn't have anything going on but a spiritual crisis in his life, was it not? You ever been in a spiritual crisis? Well, I have. In my earlier years, I used to tell pastors who would ask me things. I'd say, hey, my roughest years pastor is always the odd years. In my first church, it would have been one, three, five, and seven. Because I'd pastored there seven years. In my second pastorate, it would have been three, five, seven, nine. Because I was there ten years. In this one, it's been three, five, seven, nine, eleven, thirteen, fifteen. 17, 19, uh, 21, etc. 
It's not as bad as it used to be. And I think part of that is, I, I just can't say anything else. I just try to reason with things differently than I used to. Matter of fact, still some of the best days I've ever been in, really. But amazingly, let me just confess to you, it's amazing how quickly the devil can get around your collar. When nobody, I'm talking about seriously, nobody has said or done anything, it isn't about nobody else but you. You just seemingly, he, he grabs you around the collar and he tries to choke you. I think there he had an old choke hold on Elijah. Absolutely. I have never felt like I was the only one, but yes, I, I've, I've, I, I've been there, you know, and, you, and in reality, I'll tell you how it feels. It feels, you just feel like if you were somewhere else, you would be better off, you could, you could accomplish something, but you know, we just have to come to a place, and Elijah needed to as well, and that is, it's not our work anyway, it's God's work. God never called us to build the church. He said, I'll build my church. But it is easy to, to look at things from my perspective. And, and when we do that, we get discouraged. And I'm sure people that, was in the, that, that are in the military, they, they get that way. People who work the post office, they get that way. Uh, probably a school bus driver gets that way, doesn't he? It happens to all of us. Maybe in a little different terms there. So, when we think about it, Elijah, Elijah just felt alone. And friend, you want me to tell you the loneliest place to ever be in a crowd? The loneliest place to be is in a crowd. And you might have been somewhere 20 years, like, like a church, you know, and you walk in there one morning and you just feel like a stranger. See, that's how quickly the devil works on us. Elijah. Let's remember one thing about Elijah. He was not Superman. He was just a man. But we would always think better of the prophets than that, that they wouldn't get discouraged, or better of the pastors than that. They wouldn't get discouraged. But folks, we just need to be aware it happens to all of us rather quickly. Now, the faithful Elijah was very transparent with his complaint, yet God did not upbraid him for his self-focused view. Instead, God invited Elijah into his presence. And there, there's a very encouraging word. Just because we think that way or feel that way for a moment, God doesn't dismiss us or do away with us. The Lord is there for us, and I, I find great joy in knowing that. Now look what he says in verse 15 to 18. Then the Lord said to him, Go and return by the way you came to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you're to anoint Hazel as king over Aram. You are to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshai, as king over Israel. And Elisha, son of Shaphat, from uh, Abel Mahola as prophet in your place. Then Jehu will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death whoever escapes the sword of Jehu. But I will leave 7,000 in Israel. Every knee that has not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. 
Boy, God had a strong word for him, didn't he? See, God wasn't through with Elijah. Although Elijah thought he was the only one doing anything. Now the Lord says to him, what kind of voice is he using? You remember? A still, small voice. God's not thundering to him with complaint. God is reassuring him, I believe. And something that really uh, makes me see the magnitude of this, he said, now I want you to go this way. And I want you to go back by the way you came. Where do we usually find something we've lost? Right where we left it. And sometimes, if you're like I am, you begin to retract your steps of that entire day trying to find it. You ever lost your cell phone? Where'd you find it? You lost your wallet, not for last, okay? Boy, I'm serious. Notice, Elijah had lost something spiritually. And it just comes to me that he said, go back the way you came here. And he said, when you get there, there's three things you are to do. And that is you to anoint these three people. Now, on page 115, the writer said, you're never too old or too tired or too discouraged for God to use you. In that lonely place where Elijah found himself at the deepest point of discouragement, God whispered a word or a message to the prophet. I'm not done with you yet. Now, we just need to see things in the right perspective, don't we? It could be a word for us in these days that we're ministering, couldn't it? Well, I've read a few articles in these last weeks, you know, and... Uh, one of the articles was talking about uh, uh, mental health and mental health in the life of pastors right now because, you know, the COVID of about two years of this stuff and uh, a lot of discouragement, you know, that can't seem to get the handle on it or the grip on it. And uh, mental health uh, is something that uh, we would say is uh, troublesome there. So, with that in mind, uh, God gave him, some would call it his last assignment. Why would we even think it's his last assignment? I'm saying that because he said, anoint Elisha to be prophet over after you're displaced. But you know, I think about that, it still might not have been his last assignment. Because David was anointed way before he became king, was he not? But now Elisha, Elijah, when Elisha wanted a double portion of his spirit, what did he say you got to be doing? you got to be watching me when I go. Well, some great, some great assignment here. Last sentence on page 115. Serving God through the long haul brings its rewards, both for the servant and for those impacted by the servant's life. You remember what we're studying today? Serving God even in discouragement or when we're discouraged. If you get discouraged, let me, let me beg of you. Get alongside of somebody that you can trust who will be there to lift you up. And that is good for the pastor, it's good for the parishioner, it's good for all of us. Because, hey, we 
We are not put here to battle stuff like that alone. We need to be encouraged, do we not? Well, thank you. I've got your notes for next week now. I'll bring them to you. Those of you who are listening today by way of YouTube, let me get my my book back open. We'll be looking next week at the subject matter of lead others to serve. And we'll be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 19 and on, okay? So be reading the remaining part of that chapter and uh, you'll, you'll be prepared for us as well next Sunday. God bless you.